As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight Out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this, our first episode of the new season, not much, been a quiet one. Baba Rahman left. Just kidding, loads this happens. Chelsea, innit? Let's not waste another moment then. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. How are you doing, listener? We are back. Um, didn't think we would be, but here we are. So we're ready to talk all things Chelsea for another season. We will be going twice a week from next week, but we thought we'd give you a little pre-season preview of what's to come for Chelsea and for us by dropping a pod for you this week as the tour of the US is concluding. And there for The Athletic is our first guest today. It's Liam Toomey, live from Chicago. How are you doing, Liam? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still reeling from watching the first team in London to win the Premier League Summer Series. Yeah, massive, wasn't it? Finally get our hands on that trophy. The start of good things to come, I'm sure. Tom Fifield's with us too. Um, Were Palace in that Summer Series thing? I know they're in America, but, you know, were they just playing games? Were they invited to the Summer Series? You know, I think it only only takes place with teams in the bottom half of the table, doesn't it? So Chelsea qualified for that and Palace didn't, just about. (laughs) Brilliant. We've just lost half the listeners within the opening two minutes of the show. I'd just like to say that I literally have no authority on this because I, I said the one thing I said to Liam, the one thing I said to Liam about his piece from the game against Fulham was if you use that line about a month in and we've already won silverware, I would sack him. And it's his intro, much his intro for the piece this morning. So, you know, what chance have I got? Look, it was Thingrule last season. We'll take that piece of silverware um yeah we'll talk more about that later anyway but but first of all as we say liam is in america so we're going to find out what he's been up to in a little segment that we're going to call liam in america Defender. Nice ball there by Maxson. 
Kunku. Chelsea is new forward, and Chelsea have a two-goal lead. Reese James, who's had the captain's armband here this summer, so too Thiago Silva. They will lift the trophy. Chelsea, the winners of the inaugural summer series. It's been a fantastic time here in the USA. And at the end of it, blue is the colour at FedEx Field. So Chelsea in the USA, that means the Athletic needed somebody to rep them there too. And there was nobody better than Liam for the gig. Um, sorry, Simon. Sorry, Dom. But yeah, Liam got it anyway. So how long have you been there, Liam? You've been all around the country, right? You, you joined midway through the tour, but you've still been racking up your air miles. Yeah, so I flew out on July 21st. I missed the first game in North Carolina, so I won't be in Welcome to Wrexham. Sorry, Ryan. Sorry, Rob. But I joined up in Philadelphia, then flew to Atlanta, stayed in Atlanta when it seemed like everyone left because Chelsea flew back to Philadelphia to train. Well, most of the journalists flew on to to DC early. I spent a little more than 24 hours in DC for the game there. And now I'm in Chicago, the final stop of the tour. Going to be here until August the 3rd, the day after the Borussia Dortmund game. And I, I, I almost feel like I've completed Uber as well as uh, several airlines. Well, Chelsea have been pretty busy. They've already played a, a host of games. And the general feeling, we'll get Liam's view on this shortly, is that this preseason has been a bit better than last year's. As I say, we'll get Liam's word. But whilst in America, he spoke to Ben Chilwell, who'd like to hear the left back talk about why this preseason has been so much better than last, while some soft soul music plays in the background. I can't really say what went wrong last pre-season because I've actually been asked quite a lot about that last season, what was going wrong and to this day I don't think any of us can really say what I actually was but what I can say this season from what I've felt this pre-season is that every single player that's here is giving 100% and all the young players that have come in are very talented and the managers working is very hard and just a good group, there's a good feel we're all a very close group which is considering there's a number of probably more new players than there actually are players that have been here last season it's we didn't really expect it to to be this smooth of a transition in terms of the unity in the group but we are we're a really close group and like I said it's strange we've got United each other for a few weeks but we're all really enjoying um, you know being each other's company and you know you never know when you come away with people for two and a half weeks um, how it's going to go but you know we're all we're all really enjoying it and I think obviously the first two games was it nine nine goals so I think we're, we're enjoying ourselves on the pitch and I think that's because we all get on we all get on right off the pitch I was talking to Reese about it today there's only um, a number of us that like I just mentioned that were here last season so we really feel a responsibility now to kind of be the leaders in the group to to help these younger players and you know, lead by example on the pitch, more importantly, be the players that week in, week out are performing and helping players in and around the training ground and kind of guiding the younger players on the path to, to do that as well and also help them understand that playing for Chelsea does demand that, you know, we win every week and but that's also a must. Um, you know, there's a lot of players here that are very talented, but, you know, we need to also make sure that they know that playing for Chelsea does mean that we have to win win trophies. But no, for sure, I think 
very excited for kind of the opportunity this season to be one of the more experienced players and I think that can only improve me having that that pressure on me I guess you're, you're the third oldest outfielder in the squad now been told quite a lot recently. it's pretty incredible isn't it I don't like hearing that <laughs> well yeah because you're not old at all but, yeah um, what do you think about the whole thing about having a young squad because it's something that really worked for Arsenal last year it seemed that they just generated this momentum and they had such energy as a group yeah and now with all these new faces it feels very fresh at Chelsea doesn't it I think yes yeah, I think it's 100% getting the balance right because we have so many younger players now and it's like you said it's fresh it's exciting there's a lot of energy the players that have come in are all very very talented which is exciting but then it's also the flip side the players like myself who are the, the older players in the group now have to be the ones to step up and lead by example and obviously the experience we've the players that have played however many years in the league have to you know come out and prove why we've done that and like I said really just guiding the younger players who are obviously very talented down the right path to make sure that they fulfill their potential as well. Uh, that was a nice chat you had with Ben Liam. We'll hear a bit more of it later too. But do you think he was towing the party line there or does it feel different to last preseason, which was chaotic to put it mildly? Yeah, imagine my good fortune to bump into him in that elevator with the ambient music <laughs> in the background. No, it was um, a group of journalists were given the opportunity to speak to Chilwell at the team hotel in Atlanta. And it was a really good conversation. I think he spoke really well several times. The conversation, which lasted about 20 minutes, came back to what on earth happened last season? Can you explain it? Do you even know in the moment? And he couldn't really offer a comprehensive answer. I think his best answer was that they didn't realise at the time, or at least he certainly didn't realise at the time, that he wasn't fit enough, that Chelsea's physical standards of preparation had been allowed to slip one way or the other. And that is the big change they are noticing this preseason. Pochettino is working them really hard right from the first few days at Cobham. It's continued throughout the US. And you can see it in the friendlies. They are moving at a different speed and a different level of intensity. And some of some of the friendlies, predictably not for 90 minutes, because that's the way friendlies are, have been quite a compelling level of intensity, I'd say not one that you'd associate really with non-competitive games. So they, they certainly do look more prepared from a physical perspective um, for the new season. And, and Chilwell was very keen to make that point. It's been interesting to me, Dom, that Ben Chilwell's been pretty vocal on this tour. And, and one of the things that, that he said was that he wanted to be the captain. And, and I kind of feel like he's not been that vocal of a player beforehand, but I'm just looking at the Chelsea squad. He's going to, even if he doesn't get the armband, he's going to have to take on this kind of role, isn't it? Because by default now, he's one of the most senior players left at the club. Yeah, I mean, I think Liam made that point in the in the interview that, was he 26 now? Is he um, I mean, that makes him one of the older members of that of that party. I mean, it's that's that's sort of crept up on everybody, but it sort of shows also the the number of outgoing transfers that Chelsea have managed to smooth this summer in in trying to clear some of the uh, some of the bodies off the off the books. But he, he is a senior member of the team. It, it's great to hear him speak so eloquently and so thoughtfully. He's always been quite a good talker. He just maybe hasn't had the platform in which to do it. And I think he'll have that now within this Chelsea group. Um, ultimately, with him, it's obviously going to come down to his his own fitness because he, he is going to be first choice 
left back in this team quite rightly and hopefully will be challenging you know Luke Shaw and the likes for for England recognition as well again this season but he needs to he needs a a, a prolonged period of games and avoiding the the injuries that have interrupted his career too often in, in recent seasons but I mean I've seen a bit of him on the on the preseason games and he's he's looked good he's looked he's looked as if he's an outlet he's a threat going forward it's still down that flank he's very much the leader of a of a group of of left backs and and left-sided players that that that, that suggests that Chelsea have got a, a good strength in depth in that position have you spoken to Maurizio Pochettino Liam you, you'll have been at his press conferences I'm, I'm sure what what kind of tone has he struck and, and have you got the feeling that, that he's relatively happy with with how his Chelsea tenure started and what's going on around yeah so far we've only interacted with Pochettino through the press conferences we're hoping that will change in Chicago but he's he's largely struck a tone I think that will please the Chelsea owners and the co-sporting directors he's he said he's he's happy with the group of players that he's got to work with in terms of talent, but he has made the point and made it quite forcefully, although in a, in a sort of genial Pochettino way, after the Newcastle game, that he wants fewer numbers, which is something we've heard before in recent Chelsea history, despite selling or releasing 12 players this summer, the, the squad is still too big. And he wants more experience. So I'm sure he was delighted by Chelsea immediately moving to sign a 19-year-old French midfielder uh, and sending him to join up with the tour squad. But yeah, I think he's largely been in, in good form. He's he's looked in a good mood with the journalists. He seems to have a good rapport with the players. That was something that Chilwell backed up, that, that there already seems to be a nice bond between Pochettino, his backroom staff and and this squad. I think in some ways he he quite likes that the squad skews younger because those players tend to be a little bit more malleable for the way you want to play. And the way Pochettino wants to play has been very clear to see on the pitch. It's very clear to see what they're doing in training. It's a very consistent system, 4-2-3-1, slightly asymmetrical. I won't go into too many details now, but um, they have a clearly defined way of playing already, uh, which is reasonably promising for the new season yeah as have been the results 5-0 against Wrexham 4-3 against Brighton a one-all draw with Newcastle and then a 2-0 win against Fulham most recently which saw Chelsea lift the prestigious Premier League Summer Series trophy uh, we're going to talk about the new signings and how they've impressed when we do our transfer roundup. But in terms of other players who've stood out, certainly in the Brighton game, Mikhailo Mudrik was one of those. And when Liam was speaking to Ben Chilwell, he asked about Mudrik and, and Chilwell's taking him on as his project for the season. With me, show I see just endless bags of potential, which hasn't been fulfilled yet. And I've told him that, I'm not just saying that, like, I've told him that, that he hasn't fulfilled that yet for one reason or another. And I literally had a conversation with him today after training um, in the changing room because he's been on fire in the last few days and obviously he was on fire in the game against Brian. And I just said he just needs to keep that up now for the whole season. You know, he needs to decide when to cross, when to shoot, when to dribble, when to pass. And hopefully I can help him, you know, along the way try and get that decision making because he can be such a good player for us and we can all see the potential that he has it's just kind of trying to guide him and like I said the last few days he's been on fire in training and his decision making has been bang on when to shoot when to dribble when to pass and 
I just said you just needs to continue doing that and just have confidence that in his ability that you know we're, we're all completely behind him. We all see how good he is, and you know, he just needs to needs to keep up what he's been doing. Really, are you seeing a big difference now in the guys like Nisha? And, and obviously, I mean, Enzo looked pretty good from day one. I think um, most people would say, but have you seen a difference now that with those guys that came in January when everything was so chaotic and obviously the squad was so big now they're having a proper pre-season it's like yeah. a reset for them isn't it and this is almost like the real start of their Chelsea yeah. careers yeah I think like the people that have been there a number of years we can't we don't know what was going on in coming into that situation in January coming into a new club with everything that was going on it can't have been easy for them so this pre-season it's it's a clean canvas for everyone really, but especially the boys, like you said, that kind of came in during the whirlwind of everything. And I think everyone's really relishing it. You know, it's new squad, new manager. Yeah. Everyone's excited for the season. It's just a fresh start really. And, every, and everyone, like I said, everyone's really excited for it. And the fact we've got a manager now that's so passionate about where he thinks we can go. And, you know, it's really, as you guys know, he's working, it's very hard. So, um, which is what we need. And, <clears throat> we're such a talented group the fact that we're now we've got a manager who is pushing us this pre-season as hard as he is um, physically that's you know going to put us in good stead so Mudrick looking good against Brighton Liam in, in terms of other players who, who we know already standing out I guess Ian Matson's the one isn't he I mean we don't know that much about him but a player who got in the championship team of the season last year who Burnley are apparently really keen to get back for, for the coming campaign if they can as their left back he's played pretty much everywhere but left back for Chelsea but Pochettino seems to like him the pleasant surprise of the tour is probably between him and Nicholas Jackson and in some ways Matson is is more surprising because as you say Pochettino has deployed him in many different positions he's played off the left in that 4-2-3-1. That was against Brighton. Then he played off the right against Newcastle. And in the last game against Fulham, he actually played as a number 10 for a long stretch. So he's he's been deployed all along the creative line. And wherever he's been, he's shown a really good intelligence for how to interpret that position within Pochettino's system, find space very nicely, links play with, with everyone else very nicely. He looks like he's been playing in this team for a long time. And looks entirely comfortable, no matter where he's positioned. And Pochettino's had a lot of very nice things to say about him. Whenever he's been asked about him in press conferences, he's called him a very, very clever player, a player with enormous potential. It does very much sound like, considering that we were hearing going into preseason that Ian Matson was most likely to go back out on loan, probably to Burnley again. The way he's performed in pre-season may well have changed that and he may well actually now be in, in Chelsea's first team plans for the season. And that's that's what every young player goes into pre-season hoping to achieve. It's amazing to see the development of the modern day fullback, isn't it? I mean, it's we talked a bit about that last season and maybe the year before, largely around Manchester City and Iacancello and, and uh, Lewis and people like that who have stepped up into midfield quite happily. But he's got a situation where where Martin, you could say the same for Lewis Hall. I know he's a, he wants to be a midfielder, but he's done well at left back when required. They're just so adaptable, so versatile, and they can step up into all these different positions and provide so much cover across the team. It's something else, and it, it probably has a lot to do with with Pep Guardiola's coaching and people sort of catching on to that. I'm sure 
Martin probably benefited from working with uh, Vincent Company last season, who who will have been steeped in how Guardiola works. But it's here here we're going evidence of of the value of that particular loan at Burnley last year, um, working with a coach who has worked with a figure like Guardiola, I suspect. Um, it's amazing to see. Absolutely incredible. There's no end to it either. Don mentioned Lewis Hall there. I mean, if if Ian Matson is the big winner of this tour, Lewis Hall is probably the biggest loser in terms of minutes. His minutes have not been anywhere near what he would have hoped they they would have been. He's not really had a chance at left back, but he's not really had much of a run in midfield either, which is where he really wants to play and where Chelsea have been, or where this tour squad is is thinner. And you would think that he might get more opportunities. And he seemed to be one of the players that Pochettino was referring to when he was talking about kind of log jams in certain areas of the squad and the squad being too too big and baggy in, in certain areas. So I think whereas Matson may have gone from a likely loanee to someone who who could be in the first team when the real football starts, it feels like Lewis Hall has, has slid the opposite way. And now it's at the point where I'd be very surprised if he was at Chelsea come the end of the transfer window. I mean, mo- most likely on loan somewhere, but it, it looks like he needs to to go out this season and get some football. All right. Well, before we move on to um, confirmed departures and arrivals, we've got this Dortmund game coming up Wednesday for you, Liam. If you're listening uh, in the UK, it's early on Thursday morning. I'm guessing that the team that Maurizio Pochettino picks for that will fairly closely resemble the one that starts the game against Liverpool on the first game of the season. It's quite a long gap, isn't it, between this last pre-season game and then and then the game against Liverpool? Yes, yeah, it's, it's long enough that you think there might even be a possibility that they play another friendly behind closed doors. Brentford B at Cobham, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, the old the old reliable, just to just to sharpen up some of the players who maybe haven't had as many minutes. You would think that the team against Dortmund would resemble more closely the team against Liverpool, but but Pochettino's selection over the first four games has offered very little clues as to his intentions when the Premier League actually starts. I'm just looking at the Google Doc I created to track Chelsea's preseason minutes so far. And the top five, we could turn this into a quiz, couldn't we? Um <laughs> no. The, the the top five in order, um Cesare Cassidy. Christopher Nkunku, Ian Matson, Bashir Humphreys, Trevor Chalobah. So of those five, I would say that only Nkunku would have been regarded at the start of pre-season as a likely starter against Liverpool. So either we're, we're going to get a very surprising starting eleven to play Liverpool at Stamford Bridge or Pochettino has been prioritising individual fitness plans over this preseason so far, rather than building the kind of relationships on the pitch that Chelsea might need to lean on when the real football starts. So may, maybe we'll get more of an indication against, against Dortmund. It makes sense that we would, but I wouldn't put it past Pochettino to still throw one or two surprises in there. Don, before we move on from preseason, does does this strike you as a as a preseason that is going to benefit Chelsea next season and, and has been tailored towards what Pochettino wants just as much as it has, you know, sponsorship obligations and, and that kind of thing, which is obviously a factor in in these preseason tours. Forgive me for being slightly cynical on on this, but I I, I suspect we won't know the answer to that question until 
maybe the first 10 games have been played in the Premier League season proper. And Liam or Simon might correct me, but I, I don't know whether there was much uh, public grumbling at the back end of the US tour last year. I mean, there's a lot of travelling involved in this for, for Chelsea's squad. And Pochettino still got like 30 players out there, which which partly explains why, you know, that some unexpected people are getting minutes, I think. I mean, he's he's having to juggle this vast squad still, even on the back of the sales made this summer. And that, that isn't an easy situation, plus all the staggered returns, etc., from international duty at the start of the summer. So it's it's never it's never straightforward for any Chelsea manager. It's never straightforward whether they go you know, west to the United States or east to you know, Singapore or Thailand, as they used to do for a while. And I suspect that if they have a stodgy start to the season proper, there will be some noises. Oh, well, you know, it wasn't ideal preparation, was it? Travelling all over the United States, playing games and very rarely having just a set play where we were, we were working concertedly at one venue for a prolonged period of time. That said, if they start off really, really well, no one will be whinging about that. It's that simple, I think, with this. It's it's a very difficult balance for for any head coach, let alone one who's coming into a new club with a vast squad to work with and to try and assess them all. A lot of very hungry players who want to be involved um, and some of whom inevitably won't be. Um, but let's assess it after 10 games, I think. Worth reminding you of the uh, the opening fixtures of the season. Let's go first five rather than first ten, and we'll be here all day. Liverpool at home, West Ham away, uh, Luton and Forest at home, and then Bournemouth away. So mm, tricky first game, but it looks like there's points on offer. Uh, for the rest of August and September, we shall see. All right, there's been loads of transfer activity around Chelsea this summer. We'll talk through that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, it feels like a long time ago now that the metaphorical pearls were being clutched across the footballing world at Chelsea's excessive squad size. You'll never be able to shift them, they said. That end of June FFP deadline is looming, they feared. Uh, Turns out selling world-class players is not that difficult, particularly when you can rely on an autocratic state hell-bent on washing the sport to do some of your dirty laundry for you. What? Chelsea have sold some players, I mean, uh, namely Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, Mateo Kovacic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Christian Pulisic, Edouard Mendy, Kaladu Koulibaly, Ethan Ampadu, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Cesar Azpilicueta, Baba Rahman and some academy lads whilst Angolo Conte left after his contract expired. Uh, Somebody stayed though, namely Ben Chilwell. Liam asked him why he felt that he wanted to stick around. This is what he said. Well, since I've come to Chelsea, I've always felt pretty at home. 
obviously won the Champions League in, in my first season and after that seeing the reaction that it kind of brought around the club um, I want to feel that again with Chelsea <clears throat> not just in football I want to feel that again with Chelsea and I want to help Chelsea get back to to winning titles and winning cups and I know we'll get there in the near future so and I want to be one of the reasons that that we get back to that so that was uh, that was that was my reason behind it I'm not gonna run you know when things are going badly I want to be one of the reasons that helps us get back to to the best Chelsea so Chilwell stayed we'll go through some of the departures uh Kai Havertz we've got to start with obviously Liam have you recovered I'm a Nicholas Jackson man now. <laughs> um, officially a Nicholas Jackson stan. Uh, yeah, I mean, my main takeaway from the from the Havertz departure was that I was just quite surprised that Arsenal bid as much as they did because it wasn't clear who they were bidding against. Chelsea's asking price was not one that Real Madrid or Bayern Munich found remotely appealing. So it, it, it seemed like Chelsea actually benefited from something that we saw from Arsenal also in the in the Declan Rice and Jurian Timber deals, which is that they appeared very, very keen to placate Mikel Arteta with the timing of their signings as well as the identity of their signings. They wanted to get them in for the start of pre-season, essentially, and they were willing to pay a premium for that. So Chelsea got a very handsome price for, for Kai Havertz, considering the player that we've seen for most of his three years at Chelsea. And I think there there is still, I think there will remain a sense of, of what might have been in terms of the way he was used and the teams he was in. But it's going to be very interesting to watch how he gets on at Arsenal because they're planning to use him in a totally different way. As we wrote, he's, he's, he's more of a number eight for them now. And that's more in line with the way he was used in Germany. So it's not impossible that he flourishes at Arsenal and that transfer fee actually looks quite cheap in time. But based on what he produced at Chelsea, I think they they did a pretty good piece of business. All right. I'm going to ask Dom uh, momentarily about the merits of selling key players to Premier League rivals. But first of all, because she loves it when I do this, I'm going to bring in producer Lucy, who is a dyed-in-the-wool proper Chelsea supporter, to ask how she's feeling about what Mason Mount did, namely join Manchester United. Was he forced into this because Chelsea didn't offer him a suitable deal? Uh, Do you feel sorry for him or has he stabbed us all in the back? First of all, he looks really awful in red. Secondly, I don't like his blonde hair. Thirdly, I was really upset. But I feel like I haven't seen him play that well for Chelsea in such a long time. I feel like if it had been two seasons ago, I would have been absolutely devastated and heartbroken because he had such a season in and out of the team. I feel like maybe recency bias, I kind of forgot how good he actually was or whether he was a really integral part of Chelsea's team. So I do think it's really, really sad and kind of like Chilwell's messages of goodbye and hearing Chilwell talk when he spoke to Liam about how he's going to miss his best mate did make me really sad. But I'm really excited and I feel like it's a brave new world and it's out with the old and in with the new. Bye, Mason. I don't care anymore. 
<laughs> Brutal. Um, Dom, of the three that, that big players that have gone to other Premier League clubs, Havertz, Mount, Kovacic, the Mount one is the one that could come back to bite Chelsea, right? Because Havertz already scored a Champions League final winning goal for Chelsea. Uh, Kovacic, is he going to play that much for Man City? Are his best days behind him? Did he look that interested last season? Say no to all of those. But Mount is your two-time player of the year, raised in Cobham, was going to be you know, Chelsea throughout his career, essentially, if all had gone to plan. Um, it stings, doesn't it, for Chelsea supporters and, and I'm sure for the club too and they'll be hoping that he doesn't do too well at Old Trafford. Yeah, I mean, I can see why it does sting so much. I mean, when he's one of your own, somebody that you've nurtured through the academy system for so long and had really become a poster boy for the Cobham Academy, then it's going to hurt to see him running out in a red shirt next season at Old Trafford um, and calling Old Trafford home. Um, it's not an easy situation, but it's it, it really, the relationship had become strained and it's partly a legacy. And Simon actually wrote a very good piece on this um, at, at the time. It's partly a legacy of the previous ownership, the Abramovich era, partly a, 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 it's a cost of of the, the sort of new policy that the new owners have put in, in terms of salaries, et cetera. And it's actually come by the end of it all, given the, the sort of build-up of of rancor and, and and disharmony, actually a parting of the ways was probably the only way it could it could end. That was the only culmination really that that was feasible. And um, Chelsea got a good fee for him. United would argue that they they're paying a decent fee for a, an England international. Somebody will be integral to the national team for a, for a while to come. Young English talent. We move on. Uh, Chelsea move on as well, and and I mean they've been they've been active in the market and planning ahead, etc. As well, so it, as painful as it is, it, it was necessary at the end. And yeah, look, it's going to be it's going to be a raw moment when he when he runs out at Stamford Bridge as an opponent. But believe me, as a supporter of a club that's seen that happen quite a few times over the years, you do get over it eventually. Quite the contrast, I thought, Liam, in, in the way that Mason Mount left and the, and the way that Cesar Azpilicueta left, which was, you know, goodbye and good luck kind of thing, wasn't it? I, I'm sure there wasn't a dry eye in the in the Toomey household when you watched that goodbye video that, that the club posted. Slightly surprising, given that he'd signed the new contract this time last year, but but obviously aware he wasn't going to get much game time. But, I mean, he, he leaves as a a bona fide Chelsea legend, right? Not just because of the stuff that he won, but because of the amount of games that he played and, and, and the quality that he had, you know, certainly up until what a year, two years ago, he was arguably the best one-on-one defender in, in the Premier League and, and somebody who means a lot to Chelsea's history. Yeah. I mean, as Pilaqueta's Chelsea legacy is beyond secure. There was a stat I tweeted out when he, when he left the, there was a run of five seasons from the start of 2015 to the end of 2020, where he missed a grand total of four Premier League games. Absolutely ridiculous. He was a machine in his in his prime. And and obviously he hasn't been in his prime for a while. And and Chelsea fans have have been watching the post-prime as Pilaqueta, who's who's not quite athletically what he was. And that had maybe conditioned some views of him by the end. But in terms of his contribution to the club, Nothing can be questioned, and I think his his approval ratings are sky high. Particularly, as you say, when when contrasted with the way Mount handled his departure, I think it was just a lot more. As per Quetta's was was just a lot smoother, and it had a more authentic feel. I think 
look, look, let's be real. He wanted to leave Chelsea last year as Piliqueta. He wanted to go to Barcelona. He's a nice guy, so he didn't cause an issue. But I think he felt, he assumed that despite the option in his contract, that the the kind of gentleman's agreement he had with the Abramovich regime, where he would be allowed to leave for nothing in recognition to his service, I think he was hoping that would be honoured. The new owners came in and and because of the change going on everywhere else at the club at the time, they wanted to keep his experience around. So that was blocked and he didn't make an issue of it. He didn't cause a fuss. He, he Obviously, he was rewarded with a new contract for it. But I think it it all played into the equation this summer, particularly when you look at what happened last year and the fact that the Chelsea's owners really want to go young with this squad and have really leaned into that even more. As Piliqueta had another opportunity to go back to Spain, and they were determined not to stand in his way this time. So I, th- I think things arrived at the right conclusion for all involved. This is the right move for him at this stage of his career. Once he actually retires, as he hinted at in his goodbye statement, I really would not be surprised to see Cesar Piliqueta back at Chelsea in in one role or another. Yeah, he's got to come back for a testimonial too, uh, says I. Let's whip through a couple of the other departures. A couple more players, Dom, joining the Chelsea expat community in Milan, namely Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Christian Pulisic. Interesting cases, these. I think probably Chelsea done quite well to offload Pulisic because it feels like he hasn't had a, a consistent run of good performances in a couple of years. And, and Loftus-Cheek, bittersweet to see a, an academy graduate go, but also... 27 years old, he's had a serious injury and and even last season when he became a mainstay in the team, maybe because of circumstance, it wasn't like he grabbed the opportunity by the scruff of the neck he didn't feel. It, it wasn't somebody who you're going to build your midfield around and, and maybe Serie A will suit him a bit better than the Premier League. Maybe the, the pace will be slightly um, less intense, possibly, and he, he can he can showcase some of those wonderful surging runs that he, he used to used to muster quite quite regularly when he was fully fit injuries have obviously taken their toll on on, on Loftus cheek and that that's that's really sad actually going it always goes back to the achilles in boston doesn't it and and that was his best season up to then for for chelsea i mean he, he was absolutely bossing it at times and was a regular under Maurizio sari and then and then recovering from that he's he's never really had maybe the the run of both fitness and games to to showcase what he can do I hope that that happens in in Milan. The way that he left the pitch at the end of last season in the Newcastle game, that was a farewell. He, I think, he knew that his time was up, and at, at the time, he thought he was joining sort of Paolo Maldini's Milan, and that was it was it was it was almost like inevitable that was going to happen. And there was this little period in the summer where Maldini left San Siro, and uh, it, it suddenly. It was in doubt as to whether that deal was going to go through, but it has been pursued. He's he's gone there. He's got an opportunity, and it's. I, I imagine this little enclave of of ex Chelsea players in Milan will will do him good as well. A lot of familiar faces, a chance to to show what he can really do. I really hope he tears it out there because he's he's a lovely fella, and he's he had a he's always threatened to take off throughout his career. Um, weirdly, I probably saw the. Other than that stretch under Sari, I probably saw the best of him playing for Palace and on, on loan. He was brilliant that season. He's he's really got something when he's in full flow, and I hope that works. With 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 Pulisic, yeah, I, I quite agree. I mean, he just needed a fresh start, and he? he was not going to get the regular game time. And uh, his stint at, at Chelsea, other than that little period post COVID and the pandemic, 
was fairly underwhelming, but he's a player that needs to be playing. He's 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 a captain of his country potentially, and he, he's got a home World Cup in 2026 on on the horizon. It's uh, a matter of him playing regular games at top level and really making a success of this third move he's had now, third stint at a big European club after Dortmund, after Chelsea. He's really got to make a, a success of Milan. Overall then, Liam, obviously Mendy and Koulibaly go off to the, the Saudi Pro League, which, which helped Chelsea massively, I think, in both cases. But overall, the, the club have got to be really pleased with, with how many players they've been able to to move out the door, but also the fees they've commanded for them, right? Because we thought there was going to be a fire sale at, at the end of last month. Yeah, I think on both counts, they'll be pleased with their work. In some ways, it's created new challenges for them because they've been so successful at selling midfielders that they now are in quite a weak negotiating position uh, with Moises Caicedo because Brighton know that it's it's just so obvious that Chelsea need another starting central midfielder to, to partner Enzo Fernandez and Caicedo is their top target that it's only hardening Brighton's negotiating stance. But... If we're just looking purely through the prism of sales, I think you have to give Lawrence Stewart and Paul Winstanley credit because, you know, by hook or by crook, they've they've got out a lot of the players that, that Chelsea wanted to get out. There are still a couple to resolve, Lukaku and Ziyech, two of the bigger ones. But the bomb squad, as it were, is now small enough to be manageable rather than large enough to be a squad on its own, which is what I think people were worried might happen back in May and I was a little bit surprised actually that other clubs didn't look to put more pressure on on Chelsea with that June 30th deadline but I think what happened was you had other you had other incentives working against that I already mentioned with Arsenal but I think with Manchester City as well and Kovacic you know top clubs tend to want to get their key signings in the door as early as possible so their priority would not have been to screw over Chelsea. It would have been to put their own squads in the best position to to build cohesion and assimilate before the new season. Um, so I think that that that's helped Chelsea's efforts to to trim this squad. But they've they've done a good job of it. There's no there's no getting around that. Yeah, and there'll be a few more outgoings, I'm sure, uh, between now and when the season starts. We'll keep you updated with those as they happen. But next, we're going to talk about arrivals. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, Liam, Kylian Mbappe being pursued by Chelsea, apparently, I read today. 
Uh, I mean, really? Is Kylian Mbappe going to come to Chelsea? Are, are Chelsea thinking, what, just get him for a year before he goes to Madrid? What, what's going on here? Is there, is there any truth to this? Is How likely is it? Uh, I would be stunned. You know, we, we've heard that Chelsea's owners want to be in the conversation for the biggest players in the world as and when they become available, despite the broader drive to you know bring down the wage bill and all this sort of thing i think they they want to be in a position ideally where they can break the bank for someone who is legitimately a a ballon d'or level talent but i just don't see how with the spending they've already done over the past year mbappe would be remotely feasible from a transfer fee or wage uh, perspective and then you come to the small point of would Mbappe be remotely interested because everything about this situation indicates that he's engineering things from his end to be able to go to Real Madrid, ideally on his timetable, which is 2024. I'm not convinced he would consider Al Hilal, Chelsea, any other club at this stage. I think it's PSG who are the ones who are keen to try to create a market or even the impression of a market because they are very, very motivated to try and get a transfer fee for him this summer. But ultimately, the power rests in his hands, and I think that's why that's why PSG is so angry, <laughs> because they know that Mbappe is, is the one with the power here. He, he can't be forced to walk away from the final year of his contract and agree to a transfer just anywhere. He's in control of his destiny, and, and I'd be very, very surprised if that destiny is Chelsea. So Mbappe's got the power in, in his hands, Dom. From a Chelsea perspective, or maybe more specifically a Chelsea ownership perspective, it's it's a nice easy win with more suggestible sections of the fan base, isn't it? Say, so, oh, well, you know, we, we did try, but he, he just didn't want to come. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm at a complete loss on this one because you, you look at the numbers that are being banded around with Saudi Arabia for one season, that would thrust Chelsea over so many FFP thresholds just in one move, and it's it's just not it's just not feasible, unfortunately. I mean, I love I'd love to see Mbappe in the Premier League and see what he, he could do over here. I'd love to see him scoring goals regularly in a hyper competitive division, you know, where where there are, there's more than one real contender to claim the title. But and I, I, I'm actually a fan of Ligue 1, to be honest, but it's just not. I'll probably be made to look really stupid now and I'll find a way of doing it, another loophole, but I genuinely don't see how this is even possible. And even for anyone to think that this is feasible just seems, well, it's, it's cloud cuckoo land. How many shirt sponsors do you think Chelsea would need? Would you even be able to see the badge or anything <laughs> else on that currently how many, pristine How many blue are you shirt? allowed? <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, it's just... But Dom, does the feasibility thing not not come down to clubs thinking, well, yeah, we might breach FFP and we might get fined and banned for it and then we'll just go to Cass and have them overturn it like they did with Man City? Do clubs actually take it seriously? Well, look, it's it wouldn't be... Again, Liam, jump in if I'm getting this wrong, but it wouldn't be a, like City because that was, a, that was a UEFA FFP issue. This is a Premier League FFP issue if, if, if they went and did this. That famously robust organisation that monitors its clubs so carefully and, and everything they do financially. Well, I agree, but also uh, that famously robust organisation that is currently investigating Manchester City. So 
look, I mean, look, there will be there will be sections of the fan base out there who don't who don't care. They just want Chelsea to go out there and sign the best players, the elite players in the world for mega mega bucks, and they're not satisfied unless Chelsea go and spend three hundred million pounds on one player plus wages. But to me, it would just it would just be it would be a bizarre move. I mean, it would just it would open up too many problems and too many potential pitfalls further down, really, down the line. Um, but look, it's, you know, Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital do things in their own way. And I, I find a lot of their incoming business staggering, really. And I have done since they came into, well, they bought the club a year ago. If you look at the amount of money they've spent, I mean, it is mind boggling. So, I mean, they, they must have a way where they're, that they're thinking that they can get, that they will comply with FFP both domestically and in UEFA as it is. I think that situation needs constant management at Chelsea because for all the outgoing transfers this summer, a lot of them are, it's all clever use of the of the books and, and making sure that, that, that you know, you're getting your, your transfer fees up front and, and you're amortising um, incoming transfers over five years or whatever. It's, it's None of this is simple. Um, which is probably why my explanation there is the most complicated thing ever, <laughs> the most confusing thing ever. But it's it's just not for me. But I can I can completely understand why a lot of Chelsea fans think, oh wow, Kylian Mbappe to Chelsea, that sounds brilliant. Let's do it. But it just seems a bit naive. All right. Well, let's um, get back to reality in that case. Then they'll sign him now. You watch. By the time this comes out, they'll have signed him. Well, I think we are all being a little bit disrespectful to the allure of the Carabao Cup, but yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll mark that as um, as a maybe for the time being. Um, Elsewhere, a disaster for Wesley Fofana, who suffered another knee injury. He'll likely miss the season, so that precipitated a disaster for Chelsea as Axel joins from Monaco. Um, Liam, you've written about him for The Athletic. Tell us a bit more about this deal and, and why it's bad news for Trevor Chalaber. Yeah, so I'm, in some ways, this was a reaction to the Fafana injury and in other ways, not. I think it did, it did add a greater sense of urgency to provide another high-quality option in the squad. And Pochettino admitted as much after the Fulham game that he was on he was very much on board with signing another centre-back once it became clear how serious Fofana's injury was. But I think the main person who will suffer from this signing is Trevor Chalaber, because it's been quite clear for most of the summer that he is viewed at Chelsea as one of the more saleable assets in the squad. And with Fofana injured, he would have been the prime candidate to step up and soak up some first-team minutes along with Thiago Silva in that right-sided centre-back spot. So the fact that they've gone out and signed a 25-year-old France international, Benoit Badia-Shield's former teammate at Monaco, should be a a big concern for Chalaber. And and up till now, we've been hearing that he wanted to stay at Chelsea and fight for his place. He's had plenty of minutes in this pre-season before getting a muscle injury in the Fulham game that we don't know the severity of yet. But Dizassi's presence now you think might force a change in his thinking because ultimately he's a footballer who wants to play and there just won't be many minutes to go around. Um, from Chelsea's perspective, I think Dizassi fits a profile there that they're looking for in all their centre-backs now in that he's he's very mobile, which in a, in a back four where you've got quite aggressive attacking full-backs, you need centre-backs that can defend a lot of space. Badia Shield, Colwell certainly fit that as well. And, and Dizassi 
certainly with his chemistry with Badia Shield from Monaco makes that an interesting partnership to explore. Levi Colwell will have other ideas, of course. And then there's the there's the interesting spectre in all of this of, of how Thiago Silva fits. And that was a question before Chelsea signed his assy. But he's 38 now. There are several players in this squad that are half his age. And two years ago, Thomas Tuchel concluded that he couldn't survive in a back four athletically at this stage of his career. And that was one of the main reasons why Tuchel was so wedded to a back three system at Chelsea. So it'll be interesting to see if if Pochettino reaches a different conclusion on Thiago Silva than, than Tuchel did, or whether he moves in a different direction with Badi Shield, Colwell, Dizassi, these these younger guys. In terms of forward players, Dom, do you think Nicholas Jackson is is the missing piece for Chelsea in attack? Three goals for him already in pre-season, or is he just continuing that hot streak that, that he ended the season with Villarreal? Well, he's been impressive. I mean, he's done he's done really, really well. He was, I mean, he's you know, the much heralded. Well, I can't remember what the competition was called in the sites. It's, it was that. It was that good. <laughs> Premier League Summer Series. There you go. The Summer Series. He was. He was. He was well up there for a, to be nominated as a player of the tournament in that. And and I mean, in the Fulham game when he when he came on second half, there were there were moments where he was streaking down that left wing um, superbly. Looked quick. Looked aggressive. Looked strong. Dynamic. It's. I'd say that's a a very promising start. And. And you'd expect him some ways to to maintain that form from the end of last season because it was that prolific. He was he was that good. He would have gone into the summer riding the crest of a wave, and then you've been bought by Chelsea. So it's and, and a Chelsea team, moreover, that is that, that is in need of some kind of focal point up top. And he looked—I wouldn't say revelation, but there was a lot of talk around the time that he, the, the deal was done that maybe he's a, a player that might be suited for um, a side. Slightly lower in the food chain. I mean, and look, Chelsea had a, an exceptionally bad season by their high standards last year, so I'm not going to count them as a mid-table team. But that there were the suggestions were the, the clubs that were going after him were mid-table clubs. I mean, Everton quite liked him. Bournemouth tried to sign him in in January and and came very close to doing so. Um, West Ham have been linked with him before, but then he's he's gone to Chelsea and he actually looks from you know from pre-season he looks as if he's got something. Now it's it's a different. He's now got to go and prove it in the in the Premier League itself when it when that starts. But Chelsea have got such a dreadful record when it comes to recruiting big name strikers, number nines. Maybe maybe it's it's the one that sort of slipped through the net that people weren't necessarily thinking would tear it up. Who who ends up going on and and, and proving his his true value to this team? So fingers crossed that he he starts the season as the number nine and and hits the ground running. Yeah, real sliding doors moment as well. You, you mentioned the teams he was linked with. Um, I was told that he went to Southampton for talks and Nathan Jones did his presentation to him entirely in Spanish. That's right, Nathan Jones is fluent in Spanish and Nicholas Jackson was blown away by it. They settled on a £20 million fee and then he got his injury and couldn't get past the medical and Bournemouth found the same thing and now he's ended up at Chelsea instead. Um, he's probably pretty relieved about that in fairness to Nicholas Jackson. Um, Christopher Nkunku, Liam, we've known for ages that he's been coming. Goodness me, he looks decent as well, doesn't he? He's, he's also been firing them in, in pre-season. Yeah, he's been a really interesting one to watch in pre-season because he's, he's scored three goals in four games. He's All of them have been good goals, really confident finishes. 
The one against Fulham was a very easy chance, but his off-ball movement made it an easy chance. He was in the right place to to tap it in. And yet there's there's still a sense with him that he's slightly playing within himself. Like he, he doesn't seem to be breaking much of a sweat in these games. And maybe that's just his style, the way he moves around the pitch. But he, um, I still feel like he's got another gear or two to go to. And, and given you know, the goal return from these friendlies, you can't read too much into it, but that that's quite promising. You know, if he, if he has quite a lot more to give the other interesting thing to watch is that Pochettino's used him in three separate positions across these four games. He's played as a nine, he's played as a 10, just off Jackson, uh, kind of floating around him, maybe more of a nine and a half actually than a 10 uh, kind of running into the channels around Jackson and then against Fulham, he started from the left-hand side, drifting into the middle from the left flank. So I, I, I'm really intrigued to see where Pochettino decides and Kunku's best position is when the Premier League actually starts, because I feel like that is the domino that will trigger a lot of these other decisions, you know, about whether Nicholas Jackson starts up front, about how prominent uh, Mikhailo Mudrik is on the left wing any of these other players and how they fit together. I think it's all conditional on Nkunku and how he's used because he he very much seems to be the keystone now of Chelsea's attack. Uh, right, we're running out of time a little bit, Dom, so I'm afraid we're going to have to save uh, your deep dive on Kendry Paez, the 16-year-old signed from the Ecuadorian club Independiente de Valle for uh, for next week. <laughs> also, Leslie Ogachukwu came in from Ren. He's going straight out on loan, we believe, although he's heading to America to join Liam. What about Moises Caicedo, Liam? Is that is that deal dead in the water now? Or do you think Chelsea will stump up the extra, what is it, 20 mil that Brighton are insisting on? I'd just like to clarify, I'm not aware that Leslie Okachukwu is coming to join me. Um, this, <laughs> I mean, there are two beds in this hotel. You've got room, a twin room, I was going to say. We can see awkward. it. You've got a twin room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kaisido, the, the never-ending saga. Um, I made the point about a week ago that it's, it's wrong to describe what's happening as negotiations. Because what's essentially happening is that Chelsea are coming back with offers that are increasing in like £5 million increments. And Brighton are responding via email inside a minute saying, no, that's not, that's not really negotiations. So I, it's difficult. I still think there's a confidence on the Chelsea side that they can get this deal done and maybe maybe get it done on, on their terms. I'm not entirely sure where that confidence is coming from based on what we've seen from Brighton in recent deals. They tend to sell only at their price unless... As in the Alexis McAllister situation, there is a release clause, which there is emphatically not uh, in the case of Caicedo. He's on a long contract. It just depends on how viable they think it is to keep him and how easy he makes it for them to keep him again. Because if you have to think there's only so many times that they can price him out of a move. It happened with Arsenal in January. Can they do it for two windows running? and and Surely the longer you leave it, the, the more chance there is that, you know, something bad could happen. He might get an injury or something that affects his transfer value. So maybe there are some factors on the Brighton side that actually work in Chelsea's favour, but Brighton are not giving any indication of that at this point in time. They are striking the toughest position possible. And it, it doesn't look like this one is is close to a resolution. But equally, as much as other names have been mentioned for Chelsea midfield, there doesn't seem to be a legitimate number two option 
that is internally considered remotely in Caicedo's class. It, it does seem like Caicedo is is the one they want, and there is clear air between him and the other names on their list. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to be abandoning this pursuit anytime soon, but it is not easy. Excellent. Who doesn't love a drawn-out transfer saga, particularly journalists? Uh, of course, there was one other big purchase this summer, a whole other football club, in fact, uh, RC Strasbourg specifically, managed now by Dom's old mate Patrick Vieira. Uh, Simon Johnson's written a big explainer on why Chelsea's owners chose Strasbourg to kickstart their multi-club ownership model. So head over to The Athletic now to read that. Crikey, we've gone long today, haven't we? We did have a lot to uh, talk about, and uh, hopefully... We've managed to cover most of it. Liam, what have you got planned for, for whilst you're out there? You'll wait and see what access you get. Watch the Dortmund game and write something about that, I'm guessing. Yeah, so there's there's quite a lot potentially planned in Chicago with Chelsea. We're hoping to get access to another player, Identity, TBC. Hopefully with some nice music in the background. I'll make sure to request that again. <laughs> and we're hoping to get some time with Pochettino, the first real extended time of the tour. And then I'm looking forward to going to Soldier Field, which isn't too far from my hotel. It's right on the the southern shore of uh, of Lake Michigan. Very picturesque setting. It's a, a little bit cooler in Chicago than the other cities that we've been to. It's been very hot on this tour. And hopefully it'll be a, a pretty pretty nice game. Hopefully Chelsea field a, a real team, Dortmund field a real team, and, and we get something real to talk about. Uh, yeah, keep across Liam's output. He's uh, doing everything tour-related for The Athletic. Is there anything else, Dom, that we should be looking at on The Athletic at the moment you'd like to recommend? Well, Adam Crafton did a very interesting piece about what Roman Abramovich has been up to since leaving Chelsea. That went out last week. It's definitely worth a read. And yeah, look, look, Liam, all of Liam's content from the States has been fantastic. Um, and that Simon... Simon Johnson read on Strasbourg definitely worth a read as well because it does it's a long piece but it explains exactly why that that move was made to purchase an established league on side uh, yeah go to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to sign up if you've been thinking about doing it for the new season this is the perfect time and it really helps us out if you use that link to do so so the plan for the new season back to two shows a week as of next week and you can also follow us on Twitter, Twitter, X, whatever it's called at the moment, at SOC Cobham Pod is the catchy handle that Lucy's come up with. Um, search straight out Cobham, you'll find it. We're going to put loads of fantastic content up there, I am assured. Um, well, if Lucy's in charge of it, it'll be good anyway. Uh, so yeah, give us a follow on there if you like. Back to two shows a week from next week. Tell a friend, sign up for The Athletic. Uh, we'll be back. Simon will be back with us throughout the season as well, of course. Thanks to Liam and Dom today and to Lucy. You'll hear from, from all the usual faces, hopefully, throughout the season as we get rolling here with Straight Out of Cobham. But that will do us for today. We'll catch up with you again next week. Bye for now. The Athletic. <laughs>